You're about to listen to the Unleashed Podcast, where you'll be inspired to live a supernatural life and experience the reality of God. If you enjoy this message, do yourself a favor and subscribe. Or if you would like to connect with us further, visit unleashedchurch.org. I, uh, oh, yeah. Um, if you are a little child and you, you do wish to miss the greatest teaching that has ever been taught anywhere, you're, you, know, you can go. It's all good. Um, <laughs> those of you who are staying are really privileged people. <laughs> To hear what I'm about to say. Is my is my daughter, not that daughter, the other daughter, <laughs> available? Can she step out for a couple seconds? Is there somebody else in there? Yeah, would you please just grab her real quick? Um, so I'll, I'll just show you so you know I'm not lying. Here's one message, and here's another. <laughs> so I have these messages that were both on my heart, so I typed them both out. I sent them both to... Our uh, wonderful, awesome Jordan Shalazim, who's eating, and uh, Macon Jenkins. <laughs> it's all good. Eat away. What the heck, man? It's cool. Um, so we could have both of them ready to go. And I didn't actually know. I mean, you ever have, there's one where God's like, the one I want to do and the one I feel like God wants to do. So <laughs> I don't, I'm arguing with him right now. Here, come here, Kiki. So this is my 14-year-old daughter. <laughs> She's awesome. I have to tell you, remember last week, if you were here last week, do you remember at the very end, I talked about what, where we're going? And I'm just being honest, as a church, I think the whole body of Christ, you can't have a plan B. You remember that? I even talked about, like, you can't have a plan B. I was talking about, like, you know, you have to jump all in with him. You, you, you can't go do what you feel God is telling you to do and go, well, if it doesn't work out, I have this plan over here. That's not kingdom and it's not faith. You just go forward, completely have no plan B, right? This kind of, at least I kind of threw that in at the end. So um, that night, so Sunday night, this is like, it's just so prophetic, I have to tell you. So she's going to tell you what happened. So last night, she, or last night, last Sunday night, she was doing the dishes, which is kind of a miracle anyway. So I was like, God, God is moving. The Lord is at work. Like it was revival in my house. Like, so tell them what happened. So we have this mug that says plan B, like always have a plan B. And it has like these little like things and definitions on the front and the back. And so I go to put it in the dishwasher and it smacks the granite above it and breaks. And it shatters and it goes all into the dishwasher. So I have to go in and pull out all the glass. I'm like crying at this point because I'm like, mom, I broke a mug. (laughs) And so, yeah, and then I tell my mom and she's like, dad just preached about how we can't have a plan B and you just broke the plan B mug. I mean, really, it's, it's crazy, right? Thank you, baby. Um, so, like, literally five hours after I preach, you clam- she literally, we have one mug, and then we have a billion mugs. I don't even know who used the dang mug that it was in there, and she shatters the Plan B mug. And I'm like, that's not God. That is so God. It started with the first miracle of the dishwasher, period. And then it was like, I knew God was moving. I was like, this is going so good. So what Mindy said was so true. I want to thank you guys for believing in what isn't here, what is here. Our next step, and I want you to know this. I'm just believing God's going to give us $500,000 or a million. Or he's going to give us a lot of money. I'm just believing it. So that either that or someone's just going to give us a building. Because my next thing I want you to just know so you can be praying for it, because this is way on my heart, is we're going to start to do, uh, as soon as we can, because I mentioned to do this, a Wednesday night service, but it'll be different than you think. It's actually going to be a Wednesday night service that goes from 6 to 8, 
but it's going to go like this. It'll actually start before then. We're going to have worship from 5 to 6, which I realize most people might not be able to make it to that. And that's fine, because that's not what it's going to be about. 6 o'clock, we're going to start a Bible study. We're going to pick a book of the Bible. We're going to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we're going to have an ability for, if people have questions, you can actually text in your questions. We'll have somebody looking at the questions, kind of go through them, and then they'll send them to me, and I'll answer the questions. And we'll just kind of go through a chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the scripture like that, every Wednesday night. And then the 6 to 7 is actually going to be hanging out and food. So we'll have a bunch of tables set up, food. 6 to 7, we come, we eat together, we hang out together, pray for one another, Bible study at 7. We'll go 7 to 8, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, every Wednesday. How does that sound to you guys? So we're definitely going to do that. It's just right now we don't have the facility to do that. But I want to let you know it's on my heart. That's where we're going. I just feel really strongly about that. And we'll have different people provide food every week. It'll just be a great, fun thing to do where we can hang out, we can eat, and get into the Word together. I think that's, that just sounds awesome to me. <laughs> so, so we are going to do that. Pray for what we need to be able to do that. That's the next thing on my heart. Did you raise your hands, Azar? Yeah, keep your hand down. Okay, <laughs> so I have two. <laughs> so the two sermons I was going back and forth was basically, oh, I'm going to have to do it. Okay, this one is called being, I don't want to do this. I want, I want to do the other one, but you won't let me do it. This one is actually called being blessed by knowing less. Okay, that might sound weird. <laughs> being blessed, this isn't like an ignorance is bliss thing. It's different. Um, <laughs> it sounds like that, but it's not that. It's actually being blessed by knowing less. And I, oh, how do I put this? Well, we'll get into it. Let me just start with uh, the, the beginning of it. So, yeah, thank you. They got up there. Okay, so right now, as I talked about last week, not just us, but the whole world is in a huge time of transition that I think isn't as big, but I think almost as significant as the greatest transition in human history, which was Jesus and the cross. That was the biggest transition in all of human history. Like all of history turns on the cross in Jesus and the resurrection. All of it. That was the biggest transition ever. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I think I put a quote up there a little while ago. The way you know a man-made religion is it gives you a work to do to get to God. That's how you know it's man-made. If it originates in him, then you know like it's God coming to us. Emmanuel, God with us. We are the only people on the planet that, as far as, believe, as far as religions go, if you want to call this a religion, which I don't, but I'm just doing it for semantical understanding, that has God comes to us, and nothing we can do is going to get us to him. Now, if you guys don't know this, my original testimony, when I first came to the Lord, I didn't really know. I just knew that I didn't want where I had come from, and I got, on, I got hit by God, and so I decided to find God. Find God? So I became a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Mormon. Uh, I, I went into Zoroastrianism for a little while. Um, if there was a religion out there, I found it. And I literally found it. I was going to uh, Metro, right? 
like MSU, I was going to Metro, and I was like, this is a great place to find a bunch of freaky psycho people that believe crazy stuff, and I, there's a group for everything, so it was like, hey, I even did with the Hare Krishna people with the tambourines on the fingers, which I kind of like the little tambourines on the fingers. We should get some of those. Like, for worship, we'll be like, ching, ching, you are ching, ching. Anyway, I, okay, maybe not, but it, like, it was, it was cool for the time, you know, it's like a bunch of hippies. Anyway, so I, I like literally went down with them. I, I, the, yeah, yeah, the crystal rubbing people that were like, rub this crystal, brother. <laughs> okay. Anyway, whatever. I, I got into all of it at some point. And what I realized was all of them required like this thing I had to perform. And every time I did it, I couldn't do it right. I know I'm, I'm an absolute driven psychopath, so I have to do it the best. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and I realized I kept failing. So it was all about just being in him and knowing he came to us, that he loves us that much, and that is the greatest revelation that you'll ever have in your life, is that Jesus loves you. It really is the greatest revelation. Everything will flow from that. So this transition is from slavery to freedom, wilderness to the finished work, from works to rest, and from wandering to find a home. And what I want to tell you is, Theology is a real interesting thing. Now, I've read a whole bunch of theologians on, I mean, I've probably read thousands of exaggeration, maybe 500 commentaries. That's probably not exaggeration, something like that. And I specifically picked books that argued different things about God. You know what I'm saying? So if they had this end times view, I got the book on purpose that had the opposite end times view. Because I just want to know, where are they getting these ideas? Like, why do these guys not agree? So I started to do that. And what I realized is there's times in history where God emphasizes a particular theological truth more than he does in a different time of history. Now, the whole Bible is always being taught. Do you understand? Like, all of truth is coming forth in Jesus because Jesus is truth. But do you realize there's actually specific times in history where God will emphasize a theological truth because that generation needs it? Do you get where I'm going here? So what I want you to understand is there, how do I put this? Like other generations had like, uh, how to, uh, like pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like get up and persevere, and I'm all about that, by the way. I am all about that. Go for it. Act like a man. Do what you got to do. Go after Jesus. No matter what you feel, go and do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Like, I totally get that. But what I want to tell you is, and that, that message is going out. It's going out. But what I found is, people who have been raised in the church the last 30 years, that's a lot of what they heard. So God is specifically pushing this other thing that he's emphasizing in theology that's like, I absolutely love you. I'm in love with you. Like, you don't have to do anything. In fact, go out and sin all you want, and I will just love you more. I'm not, I know he's not saying that. That's not really what he's saying. Obviously, that's a dumb statement. But, but you understand my point. He's trying to emphasize a particular aspect, which he did at the cross, too. When Jesus came, he emphasized some theology that they were completely clueless of. See, if you guys don't know, some of you guys don't know these terms, and that's okay. I'm just going to say it anyway, because some of you do. 
The job of the prophetic voice, meaning that God is speaking to someone and they're speaking forth, is sometimes to emphasize a truth that has been de-emphasized. So that truth has always been there. But the prophetic voice comes and goes, Woo! And it can make you feel a little uncomfortable. In fact, some voices over here get a little uncomfortable because they're like, Woo! That's like, uh. You know why? Because it's pushing against what they're comfortable with. So here's what I know. I was born for revival. I was born for revival. <laughs> That's why I'm alive. I was born for a move of the Holy Spirit to rock an entire generation. This is my, this is why I was born. He brought me into this earth to be a voice for a revelation of the Father's love that would bring revival into a generation. That's why I'm here. Now, every revival is preceded usually by theological truths and understandings that begin to shift how we think. That's called being renewed in your mind, right? Transformation of your mind. And when those truths that need to be emphasized get emphasized, you begin to think differently, you begin to see differently, you begin to feel differently, and then God begins to move because he has a place in which to pour forth. You see what I mean? John the Baptist came before Jesus. Why? He came before to cleanse them, to get them down to nothing, so they would be ready to receive a new revelation. So here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes what you think you know actually can get in the way of what you need to know. Now I'm not saying chuck your mind out the door and just check your brain. I, certainly I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is listen to what God is highlighting right now. Because in that voice... He will prepare your heart to begin to receive like you haven't received before. Intimacy, power, love. And he's doing it right now in this generation. My ear is like to the door of heaven all the time going like, what are you saying? What do I need to emphasize? Even at the risk of being criticized for not emphasizing this so I'm just telling you beforehand, I am purposefully going to overemphasize some things because I think we need to shift over. And that can be dangerous, and that's okay, which is kind of why I want Wednesday nights, so we can balance a little. <laughs> like, honestly, so we can just go through the whole word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, you know what I'm saying? So that will keep us, you know, in a good place. Like, that's what I, but whatever, God knows what he's doing. So I'll just screw you guys up and fix you later on. So here's what I want to get into. If you look at John, it's up on the screen there. Um, John 20, 19 says this. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So you have the disciples, I don't know, let's say 10, 15, whatever, kind of huddled in a room and they're scared. They believe the Jews are after them because they think that they are know Jesus and they think that because they killed Jesus, they're going to come after them next, right? So they're huddled in a room. They're scared. The door is closed. Oh, God, what are we going to do? This is where they are. 
And I know it sounds funny to you, but I've been around the block a, a long time. I mean, you guys are like, you're young. Some of you, some of you are like, yeah, you're old. You've been around forever. It's really weird being the age where you're too old to be young and too young to be old. It's like, where, what am I? I don't know. I'm, I'm just, what, I don't know what to do. Should I? Anyway, okay. Like half the time I put on tank tops and I go, can I still wear this? <laughs> like, is this okay? Am I too old? You know? Anyway, I'm going to still wear them, so just so you know. Okay, so they're standing and scared, and what I found is this. Just so you know, you'll be familiar with this. Almost the only theology, and I'm not going to get hugely into this, but it does apply to what we're going to talk about. Almost the only theology of the end times preached in America has been the left-behind version. (laughs) Which the left-behind version goes something like this. Everything's going to just get worse right? It's all going to be bad, 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 bad. So the world's just going to go to hell in a handbasket. It's going to get crappier and crappier and crappier. But guess what? There's hope. Say this prayer and you'll vanish before it really sucks. That has been taught to the church consistently and almost exclusively for 40 years. Do you guys know that? Now, how many of you guys are raised on that? Some some version of that. Yeah, a lot of you. I was too. Read the books, saw the Kirk Cameron movies. Who saw the Kirk Cameron movies? Hey, all right. I like Kirk Cameron. He's cute. But he's not really my type. He's a little skinny, but you know, he's still. All right, let's, whatever, let's move on. We don't have time to tackle that issue right now. Okay, so, anyways, um, most of you guys have been raised on that your whole lives. Which what that does is sow into the entire body of Christ a spirit of fear. And on top of that, what it does is actually takes your faith that is your greatest ally and power and uses it against you. It actually uses you to empower demonic forces. Well, why is that? Because you're believing for bad things. And when they happen, you go, oh yeah, there it is, the end times. We have all these believers going, oh yeah, it's just gonna, just all gonna burn. Do you see what I'm saying? So then I got taught something a little different, and maybe you did too. So what I just described is called the pre-tribulation rapture, at least that little bit of it is. So what that means is like, things start getting bad and God goes, woo! Everybody disappears. Well, they prayed the prayer. Then they get a vanish. Then it all gets really bad, right? So then I got taught another thing. And the other thing was this. Okay, actually, what's going to happen is you're going to have to be here. So it was still all the same. It was still, it's all going to suck, and it's all going to burn. It's going to be all horrible. The future's going to be bad. But now you get to be here. So now this was like worse news. You know, so I bought into that for a while. That's called post-tribulation rapture. And all that means is like, it's all going to suck, just like the other people said, except for now you get to stay. I was like, how is that better news? <laughs> that still sounds bad to me. Like, I don't, I don't really understand this. And then there was this big argument between like, you, like the ones over here going like, you're just like, want to escape, you little weenies. We're going to have to endure. You know what I'm talking about? 
Heard this before? You guys just, you don't have it. You got to endure. You, just, you know, the escape guys are like, oh, my God loves me. He would never let me do that. He's going to let me get out of here, you know, so I have a God better than yours. You know, and you have this weird thing. Yeah, you know, I've seen debates on it. I sat in seminary and watched debates on this. I sat back going, oh, you both all like that. This whole thing sounds bad. Like, I, I didn't hear one good thing this whole conversation. All I heard was, everything's going to suck. And I, maybe I'll be there. Maybe I won't. But it still sucks because I love people. Don't you? I didn't want my friends to suffer, believers or non. I wanted to have time to bring them to Jesus. So God told me this. He said, I want you to know it's not about escape and it's not about endurance. It's about transformation. It's not about escape. It's not about endurance. It's about transformation. And this generation is going to begin to believe that they can make things better. But they don't look at something bad and go, oh, yeah, that's a sign of the time. No, they look at something good and go, that's a sign of the times. Something amazing is happening. That is a sign of the times. Maybe we can make it better. Maybe we can believe in the gospel that isn't about escape or endurance. It's about transformation. So people say, are you pre-trip, post-trip, mid-trip? I'm like, if necessary. I don't care. I believe in the gospel that transforms the world and transforms lives. Can we believe in the gospel again? So they didn't. <laughs> the disciples didn't. They were hiding like a lot of Christians are in their little room like, oh, let's just wait for God to come because things suck and I don't want to step outside. And in the middle of that, watch this. And I love this. This is so awesome. <laughs> Jesus came and stood in their midst. <sighs> he appears like Philip, transport, like, oh, Right in the middle of them. And the first thing he says is this. Peace be with you. Now here's what I, I think that's a really funny thing to say. Look at, is that whole scripture up there? The peace be, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can see it on mine. Peace be with you. Two lines later, peace be with you. And then a few lines later, peace be with you. <laughs> Jesus actually says, why do you think three times in a very short period of time, Jesus goes, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. Because they're freaking out. And I'm telling you, most of us somewhere in our hearts are. And when you're freaking out about the future or about who you are, I don't know if you know this, most older people, like older than me, that's older than, whatever, it's all relative. So most of those people, they're afraid because they're looking and going, what is my life really going to hold for the rest of it? Did I do good enough? Do I, do I have, did I do enough, be enough to, to be satisfied with my life? And there's a fear in that. Now, most of the young ones in here, you have that fear coupled with something else. You have that fear going like, what is my life even going to be? Where am I going to go? But the biggest thing you have is, who am I? Who am I really? And you have these fears gripping you, just like they were gripped. And the first thing Jesus says is this, peace be with you. Now watch this. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, which to me is just kind of gross. Like, I, I don't know if they were just so scared that they, 
do you ever think about this? Like, how different does Jesus look? Like, how, do you really got to go all the way? But maybe he does. Sometimes I think he does. <laughs> so he's like, check this out. Like, I don't know. It's a strange. Either that's the Jesus we have. Look at this. Check that out. For me, it was kind of like guys like to show scars. You know, it's like, dude, I got this knife wound. Like, check. That's kind of how I see Jesus doing it. Like, you, dude, look at this. That one's awesome. <laughs> he probably didn't do that, but I think he did. It's funny, I think. Anyway, so he shows them this, and watch this. Then the disciples rejoiced. Why did they rejoice? Not when they saw the Lord. It says they rejoiced when they saw him. They have already seen him. They rejoiced when they believed. You see what I mean? He already appeared. It wasn't that they didn't see him. They didn't see him. They didn't believe. The point at which you believe is the point where joy flows. See, the enemy has taught the church to believe in bad things and judgment and all this other stuff, which, again, we're going to talk about. We're going to push the other end of the coin for a while. But, but again, I believe judgment is just the removal of all that hinders love. That's my personal definition of judgment. God brings judgment to remove all that hinders love. Anyway, that's, that's a long story for that. I'll do that a different day. So Jesus watched. So they rejoiced. Yes! And then what did he say to them? Peace be with you. <laughs> So first they're like, ah, peace be with you. Ah, peace be with you. <laughs> Joy here. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now that's a weird thing. So they're jumping up and down. Do you think he's telling them peace be with you because he's like, he, he's about to tell them they have to leave? <laughs> Maybe. Does we have that stinking thing going again, huh? That is the weirdest thing. So don't get distracted by the lullaby music we have over here. You guys hear it the most probably, right? Every once in a while, it's like, ding, dong, ding. I'm like, am I hearing music? Oh, yeah, that's just that. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's what I keep thinking. So I send you, verse 22, when he had said this, and you know, when he popped a tic-tac, and then he breathed on them. <laughs> so, I know, you guys just shake your head and go, is this really my pastor talking about Tic Tacs? And what was wrong? It's just going to keep coming out. So I, I can't. I used to apologize for it. Now I'm just like, I can't even stop it. So if you need a Mentos, some Banaka, whatever, it's coming out. He breathed on them. And, <laughs> sorry. And he said to them, I mean, picture this. Like, peace be with you. They're like, yeah, we know it's Jesus. Peace be with you. <laughs> Don't you do this? I do this in my head. I actually picture things like that. Anyway, okay, so he's like, receive Holy Spirit. Then he says an interesting thing. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, obviously, I think he's just talking about, like, we're now in the gospel, and you now have authority through me, not to forgive sins in that sense, but to, like, release them off people by the proclamation of the gospel. They're broken. Their sins are broken. So he's basically like, you just have a huge responsibility. Now watch this. But Thomas, he gets a bad rap. One of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So here's, Thomas gets this big, like, negative thing about him. He gets a real bad rap. But here's what you have to understand. The other disciples were there the whole time. They just got breathed on. They saw holes. And Jesus is like, peace, peace. You know, they're filled. They're like, go oh! And then here comes Thomas, like, late to the party. Like, how's it going? You know, he knocks on the door. He comes in late, right? And watch this. The other disciples are saying to them, we have seen the Lord. 
That's how I think they said it. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, put my finger, you, into the place of the nails, and put my hand in his side, double you, I will not believe. And everyone's like, doubting Thomas. <laughs> and I'm like, they were all doubting. They all already did that. It's not Thomas. That's the bad guy. He wasn't there. Like, maybe he should get a rap for being, like, late. But not for, for doubting. He, they all doubted. He's like, I got to see and I got to do this. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And then Jesus came, the doors having shut. So once again, the whole thing plays out again, right? So Thomas comes late to the game. Jesus is in there. And he's, they're like, oh! And he's like, I'm not going to play anything. Right? And then the whole scene plays out again. Like they're all the whole nine yards. And Jesus appears again. And stood in their midst and says again, peace be with you. Then watch this. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger. Oh, it's just so gross. And see my hands. Like, why do you have to touch it? Like, it's, anyway. And reach here your hand and put it in my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. Now watch this. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Right there goes what Mormons teach, Jehovah's Witnesses teach, and every religion on earth except for what we believe, which is that Jesus, right here, Thomas calls him God. You see what I mean? Jesus is not just a good prophet. He's not just a man. Jesus is God in the flesh, having come to earth. Thomas says, my Lord and my God, talking to Jesus, you're my God. And if Jesus wasn't God, he would have rebuked him right there in the presence of all. Yes? But he didn't. He received worship and he received being called God in front of everyone. This is a big deal, right? My Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, with kind of a little tone of being all that, he says, because you've seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Now here's what I want to tell you I think he's really saying. This is what I really want to get into. This is the whole crux of what we've been talking about. Is this. Blessed is he who does not see and yet believe. You are more blessed if you believe and don't see. What does blessed mean? Well, it has a lot of meanings. It can mean like the contentment of, the happiness of, the fulfillment of, something like that. The person who believes and doesn't see is so fulfilled and filled. Now here's, now we're going to come back. You ready? Almost all of the church up until now has preached the gospel of salvation, which is not what Jesus preached at all. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And I'll show you that next week. But here's the deal. The gospel of salvation, I've, I've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll do it briefly. It was basically this, like, you're going to hell you're a sinner. So the, the idea was that we convince people that they're sinners. And so, which, you know, I don't know that a lot of this generation need convincing. They already hate themselves. But whatever. So what, what it would basically be is, is a, and this still, like, works with people, this approach. Have you seen this approach? It's like, have you ever lied? Yes. Have you ever stolen something? What does that make you? A thief. If you lie, what are you? A liar. And so they do this kind of a thing. Everybody admits that they're, because what they'll do is they'll ask people this, are you a good person? You seen this? And almost everyone will say what? 
Yes, I'm a good person. And so they'll say, I'm a good person. So they go, okay, well, have you lied? Yeah. What does it make you a liar? Have you stolen? Whatever. You know, you get the picture. And they're like, and then they go, well, are you good? If God messes you by the Ten Commandments, you're a liar and a thief and usually go an adulterer at heart and stuff like that. Are you a good person? And then they kind of go, most of them, oh, yeah, no, I guess I'm not. And he's like, well, God's standard of good is perfection. You're clearly a sinner. And then it follows that they say the prayer, right? I believe Jesus Christ on the cross for my sins. Right? Because what's the whole point? The whole point then becomes keeping people out of hell. Right? That's the whole idea. Well, keep people out of hell becomes the entire gospel by saying a prayer. So he proved to them they're sinners get them in a spirit of fear to say a prayer so that they can then go to heaven. They think they're totally good, go along their merry way, and have their their little punch to heaven, and that becomes the whole goal of everything. Well, where is the focus? The focus is on this. How many of you guys have been in a meeting like this? Because I have many times. Where they say, how many of you know where you're going to go when you die? How many of you know for certain where you're going to go die. How many of you know exactly where you're going? Because you don't know when you're going to die. You can walk out and get hit by a car. How many of you know for certain? Of course, everyone in the room is like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't know. And then they go, I can tell you how you can know for certain. Every eye closed and every head bowed. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not trying to mock it. Like, I've seen that work, okay? So I'm not trying to be mean. What I'm trying to do is make a point. And here's my point. You ready? The whole focus becomes on the certainty of where we're going. And God wants you to be uncertain. You ready for this? Oh, that just messed with me. Oh, here we go. You ready? I'm, I'm serious. There's an element of faith and power that means you have to go forward not really knowing, but trusting. Okay, you guys ready? Oh, that's going to really be good. hope you guys understand. Okay, I'm going to try and I'll fix everything I just screwed up in a second. So just let me fix it. I'll show you. I'll just hold on. Give me a minute and I'll fix everything. Here's the deal. That emphasis puts it on this certainty of where we're going, God doesn't want you to know where you're going. He wants to know who you're going with. Okay, hold on. There's a big difference, one from the other. He doesn't want you to trust in a prayer that you prayed to go to heaven. He wants you to trust in the one you prayed to. He doesn't want guarantees about your destiny He wants guarantees about your master to take residence inside, which is why he said to Thomas, blessed. I'm telling you, there's more blessing for those who do not see and yet believe. And what it does is actually rob you of the power you could have in faith by giving you a certainty that you rest on instead of the king of kings. And you don't have as much faith and you don't have as much power because you're resting on this thing out here. Does this sound weird to you, or is it kind of making sense? I hope I'm making sense at some point. So here's the deal. If you look at the, 
uh, Roman numeral three says, what happens when God calls you and you know where you can't stay? What, what God will give you certainty of that, that is in the faith realm is he'll give you certainty of where you can't stay. But not always where you're going. You understand what I'm saying? So watch what he did with Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, before he was Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Now he goes on after that and goes, it'll be blessed, it'll be good, it'll be blah, blah, blah. But all Abraham, or Abram at the time, all he knew was where he couldn't stay. There's a lot of you here today because all you knew was where you couldn't stay. Maybe you don't know where you're going, but you knew where you couldn't stay. And I want to tell everybody here that there's a new level of revelation, intimacy, power, and faith that's going to be wrapped up in what you don't know. Okay, let me tell you this. Before and during our, our church plant here, I came before the Lord, and here's what I said. God, if I do this, I'm going to lose this. These people will hate me. I'm going to have to sacrifice that. I'm going to be demonized. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Which all happened, by the way. Like, all this stuff, right? I'm like, I'm going to sacrifice a lot. And maybe some of you did that, too. You're like, if I go with this little church plant in an elementary school... I'm probably going to have to lose that, maybe sacrifice this, and maybe this group I was doing, and whatever, right? Some of you did that. I definitely did that. So, because of this, I come before the Lord, and I go, Lord, I need a guarantee. You ever do that? Well, if it's a big thing, not even this church, something in your life, God's calling you to do it, and you're like, if I do this, this is scary. Like, I need this, and no, no, no. Before I go, I need a guarantee so I came before the Lord, and I said, okay, here's my list. See all this crap that's going to happen to me? You and I both know this is going to happen to me. See all this stuff? I need this. I need full-on revival. Number one. Number two, I need a 1,000 people on fire for Jesus to be part of our church. Number three, I need a huge building that's 24-7 house of prayer, and it's going to be flipping amazing. And number four, I need to win the loss. And number five, I need miracle signs and wonders. And I better have a guarantee of that right now. Because <laughs> I ain't doing this. And guess what I heard from the Lord? You ever heard crickets? <laughs> Pretty much that's what I got back. It was like, crickets, And once again, I got this voice from Genesis. Hey, go. Go from your country. Go from your relatives. Go from your father's house to the land in which I will show you. That's what I got. Go. And I was like, but I want a guarantee. He's like, I guarantee you I told you to go. It's <laughs> like, okay. That's not what I was talking about. I'd like some money. <laughs> I'm talking like a million so I don't have to worry about money no more like that's where I was at but no he says go and I said Lord why won't you give me a guarantee about what's going to happen he said because I would rob you of the faith and power that you need to do it so I want to tell you there's a level of faith and power that's coming for all of us and some of you still need to take that extra step 
in your life or in your heart, something a little scary, something that's going to push it a little bit even more. That God's saying, do this, and you're like, I want a guarantee. And he's like, I'll give you a guarantee. I'm good. That's your guarantee. All of our faith is going to begin to rest on the nature and character of God himself as revealed in the scriptures. Blessed is he, remember this, who does not see and yet believes. Blessed is he who does not see. You all are asking to see. He's like, I want you to be more blessed. Ask that you don't see. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Um, Let me tell you, those of you who are married, some of you have rolled the dice a little more than others. (laughs) You're like, what does that mean? (laughs) Let me tell you, let me tell you, when I got married, my wife was 20 years old. She was a bulimic, didn't tell me. I could feel things coming from her that wasn't so great. And at the night, okay, and I had no googly feelings for her at all, whatsoever. These people that are like, you'll just know the one for you. I'm like, so when does that happen? Because I, I knew Mindy was the one for me after we were married four and a half years. That's when I finally knew. So this whole, you'll just know, that's a bunch of crap. If that, if that happened for you, great. If it doesn't, you're like me. I didn't know I was supposed to marry Mindy until I'd already been married five years. And beforehand, I had no feelings for her at all. And I'm like, for weeks and then months into our marriage, I had no feelings for her at all. What I had to do was like, there's this little room I came to the day of my wedding. Which, by the way, the day of my wedding, I went to the gym. (laughs) I actually drove, come on, I drove and worked out the day of my wedding. Because I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) I was like, it was chest day, I remember vividly. I was like, going for it. And I go to this room, and I I, kind of collapse. I took a shower, and I'm like trying to put my tux on. Totally didn't fit at all. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like... God, I need a guarantee that this is the one for me. And you know what I heard? Those same stinking crickets that I told you about before. The crickets of the Lord. I was like, <laughs> So I did it. I married the greatest woman ever. Who this week, I hope I get through this, who's so strong. I had a, I had a rough week. Really rough doesn't matter why. I'm over it. But I had a rough week. And I, I, was, I was just feeling awful. And my wife comes to me. She looks at me. I'm on, I'm on my chair. If you don't have a chair, get a chair. I'm on my chair. Has everybody got a chair? Okay. Yeah, okay. So I'm on my chair. And my wife comes to me. She looks at me like this. She gets this look in her eye. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And she grabs my hand. She goes, come on. And she's like, what are you doing? She's like pushing me down. And I'm like, what? She's like, get like this. And we're, we're, we're like, I don't know, was this a lotus position? I don't know. We're on the ground, like with our faces to the ground and our knees. I don't want to do it here because it makes it But you get, you get what I'm saying. Here. Okay, carpet. We're like this, right? And she starts praying. And she starts going, God, we give this over to you in the name of Jesus. God, we believe for who you are. God, we believe in the name of Jesus. Tears running down her face. So I start praying with her. God, we love you, Jesus. Like, you are God over this. You got this. You're bringing us into great places. You're bringing us into good things. You have it. So I'm going, that's my life. And that's what I need. <laughs> yeah, right then. So I'm going to read you what I wrote. 
about plan B that just got broken. Jesus says the blessing comes even more intensely for those who have not seen and yet believe. We have focused so much on the certainty of where we're going when we die and so little on the uncertainty of where God might be leading us that we've robbed ourselves of greater blessing. Remember, don't confuse our destiny and our assignment. Our destiny is heaven. Our assignment is to bring heaven to earth. It's not escape or endurance. It's transformation. But plan B will hold us back. When he calls us to something great, we want to believe it, but seldom do. We think we do believe, but we have in the back of our minds a voice that says, well, if this doesn't work out, then I always have whatever you need to have. What this does is cut us off from our faith and give us a false sense of faith that is really based on our circumstances and not his nature. The key is believing in the big things of God, having high expectations, but then not allowing what happens if it falls below our expectations to let our spirits go to plan B. We have to go all in, and then no matter what happens, if God calls us to another place, plans change, the unexpected happens, we can do the next thing in all integrity and honor of who he is. So here's what I want to throw out there. We are right now in the midst. If you're part of this church, you're at least part of a transition. You're part of a new thing. And you're called to believe right now in something you can't see. Right now, we're in a little elementary school building with a bunch of incredibly good-looking people. That's a bonus. That you can see. We got this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring Mindy, come in. <laughs> anyway. But what I'm... <laughs> but we're all believing for something glorious. Is he going to give us a guarantee? Probably not. Well, maybe he will, but not this minute, probably. But he's calling us to go to a place where we do not see and yet believe. You're asking God to bring something in to make you like feel okay, which, by the way, is okay. I'm not against that. I'm just saying there's a deeper level. There's a greater thing. And I want you not to just Please, don't just apply this to our church. Your marriage, your family, your call. Your call. Please, people of God, do not settle for wherever you are. If you're a teacher, don't settle. Believe for something amazing to happen in your classroom. If you're a parent, don't settle. Don't ever stop believing that your kid is going to be on fire, saved, and healed. Ever. Because you're like, well, I need to guarantee God or I can't keep praying this. He's like, I am your guarantee. I love you. I am with you. Don't ever let go of that. Where you guys are, if your marriage sucks, don't ever stop believing in your spouse and what God has put in them. If you're looking around going, man, our city stinks and young people are lost and all that, you guys have no idea how big God is, how fast this thing can turn. Read a history book. Read a book on revival. Our entire culture can shift in a week. Did you know that? God can move and go, Oosh, and you will be shocked, the people who will be praising his name and loving and believing. So if he came for like certainty, I'm going to heaven, I, I don't really care where I go as long as Jesus is there. If I get to be with him, that's where I want to be. Because <laughs> he's absolutely awesome. So when he said to the disciples, follow me, he didn't describe to them where they were going, did he? 
Especially Matthew. He didn't say, hey, follow me and we'll raise the dead and heal the sick and go change the world. Maybe we'll write a book and it'll be great. People will read and dissect it for 2,000 years. Like, he didn't say that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He just said, follow me. And they got more blessed because they got up and went. If you read Mark, there is one word used more than any other word. You know what that word is? Immediately. <laughs> I got kind of annoyed by it. It was like, immediately, immediately, immediately. Because every time Jesus said, let's go, immediately they got up and left. Immediately left their stuff. They didn't go, where are we going? Where's my guarantee that this is going to turn out okay? Let's go. And they go. Immediately they left. And I'm telling you right now, there's an immediately spirit in the room. There's an immediately happening in the room right now. Immediately. If you're going back and forth, what do I believe? What do I not believe? I'm not sure if I believe Jesus. I believe this. I believe that. I'm not sure where I am. I like what Immediately. Follow him. Immediately. There's a spirit of immediately. What I mean by that is if you do, God is already moving. It's a river that's moving fast. You don't even have to swim and you'll flow to the throne. Immediately. Right now. Immediately. I give my whole everything. Immediately. And I'm going to believe. The thing I've been waiting for, I'm waiting for a guarantee before I step out, do it. Step out. Step out. Right now. Immediately. Go for it. Go after it. Put yourself on the line. Put your heart on the line. Put your Rip open yourself and pour your guts out and trust the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't hold back. Don't look for a guarantee. Let it all out. Be vulnerable. Pour it open. And don't even let a thought come into your mind that says, well, I did that before and I got hurt. I got hurt this time. Someone hurt me over here. Don't even, just stop. Just go. Let it out. I mean, come on. I hope I'm not a hypocrite standing here. I don't think I am. So I think I can, I can speak this in integrity. I let my heart open. I got hurt a lot the last six months. More than I've ever been hurt in my life. And it was, and some of those pains were really deep and really hurt. And every time I had Jesus come to me and say, are you going to draw back now? Is this the moment where you're going to draw back? And this week I said, yeah, I'm drawing back. And in that moment, my wife came and she grabbed me and said, let's get on the floor right now. Let's get on the floor. You know why you need church and family and covenant? Because you need somebody to grab me and say, let's get on the floor right now. Let's rededicate our to Jesus right here. Let's rededicate our families to the Lord right now. That's why we need each other, guys. Somebody text you. Somebody call you. Somebody confront you. Somebody say, I got you. When you can't stand up, that's why we're here. I mean, obviously, it's all about you, but that's what church functions is, is a fellowship like that. So I, that's why Mickey and I thank you. We're so thankful for you. None of you have to say anything to us. The fact that you show up and worship Jesus. This might sound really weird to you, but thank you for loving Jesus. Is that a strange thing to say? Thank you for loving Jesus. The biggest blessing, that is an encouragement. Every face here encourages my heart. All of you, everybody. Some of you wonder why I get all excited and I run at you. That's why. I know it scares you a little bit too. He said, I'm not three-point stand today. And I only wear like, weigh like 225. I'm not 270 anymore, so it should be a little less scary. Is it a little less scary or it's still scary? It's always scary. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> right on. Okay, immediately. Maybe we'll get a guarantee. 
Maybe we'll get an ironclad sign. I'm all for that. But maybe we won't. Maybe you won't. For the thing God's calling you right now to do. I'm not guaranteeing you anything except intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ and a pure gospel. That's what I guarantee you. Absolutely. And I will pursue that to the day I die. And I guarantee you, I will not compromise ever on the gospel and the love of God. Ever. That's a guarantee you have for me. That he's never going to leave us. He's going to be with us every step of the way. And he's blessing us. And he's here right now. During worship, I don't know if you guys felt this. I was just like, oof. Just this peace and this presence in my spirit. How many of you guys felt that? I was like, yeah, so a lot of you guys did. I was like, oh man. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, let's go ahead and stand up. Gabby, did you want to gab up? Okay, cool. Um, can somebody help her, please, with the uh, microphone and the guitar open hands? Okay, I'll get this out of the way. Okay. Let's uh, say this in your heart if you want. You can say it out loud if you want. I'm going to say it out loud. Blessed is he who does not see and yet believes. That's where we're at right now. Right now. Blessed. Blessed are the people who see the revival before it comes. Blessed are those who see the miracles and power of God changing their lives and those around them before it comes. I'll let you know there's a whole bunch of people coming to this movement who are going to have to be like Thomas and the disciples. They're going to have to see it. But it'll be here because you already saw it. They'll see it because you saw it before it was seen. But <laughs> that's deep. Okay, so let's go ahead and lift this up to the Lord. Let's the immediately spirit. I just want to unleash the immediately spirit in the room right now. The drop your fishing stuff and follow him. Believe this thing. That anything you've been waiting on, wondering, I need an assurance, God, that my child's going to be okay. I need a sign for this or that. He's like, I've given you a sign, my son. I told you, go, go. Immediately, right now, I'm going to trust you. That you're bigger than all this. So, Lord, we just come before you right now. And we just say as a church, we love you. We glorify you. You're amazing. Increase the love in this room to the point where it's tangible for everyone. Increase the love in this room. Let it begin to go forth for each other, for you. If right now you're struggling with God, you're like, I can't even show up because I just don't feel God. Show up because you can love someone else. And God will catch you up. So if you want to come forward, we're going to do what we normally do. Just kind of, we're going to linger around for a while. We're going to just come before the Lord. We're going to spend some time with Jesus. Somebody could pray with you. If you want prayer, you know, kind of make it known. Just raise me up, whatever, if you want to just let somebody come. If not, we're just going to come before the Lord. We're going to come before Him, just linger in His presence, just press in if you want. If you don't, if you need to go, if it's your time to leave, um, you know, we bless you to leave. Have the greatest week ever. Be so blessed all week long. But those of you, I think there's a couple of you that actually need to come to Christ for the first time for real. In Jesus' name right now. So I'm giving you that opportunity. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to do any of that stuff. 
just right now, there's a spirit of immediately on you. I've got to give my life to him right now. Right now, everything. Everything. i got to give it over to him right now. I'm surrendering. I believe. I trust in the risen Lord. My whole life given over to him. My whole heart given over to him. And right now, just come before him and say, Jesus, I give you my heart. And I trust you with it. And those of you who are already believers, there's a couple of circumstances in your life where you're holding back because you're waiting for a guarantee. And right now, you need to do it immediately. You need to be like, God, I give you my heart. I trust you. I trust you. And I'm let, I'm just, I don't, whatever the guarantee was, like I'm just all the way with you. If you if you invested here at our church, if you're like us and you invested in our church, and you know, you're like, I need a guarantee that this is going to be big and revival and whatever. And you're like kind of holding back. Just give it all to him right now. In Jesus' name. So we're going to press in a little bit more. Just love Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, guys. It's so cool.